Well, good afternoon, everybody. Hope everybody had a good week and weekend. Um, so today I'm going to talk to you about the mysterious and uh, kind of weird and confusing disappearance of um, Danette and Jeanette uh, Millbrook. Uh, we're fraternal twins. Uh, they're from Augustus. Or Augusta, I'm sorry, Georgia. Um, they disappeared on March 18th, 1990, when they were 15 years old. Um, so let's just kind of dive right in. So uh, the twins had walked to their local church's chicken for uh, restaurant for lunch. Um, when they had returned, um, they had told their mom, uh, Louise, that there was a man that um, was in a van and had followed them for at least part of their walk. Um, no information was given, uh, to the mom about what this man possibly looked like, uh, what, you know, there was no witnesses, no nothing. Um, so later, uh, in the day, the twins actually walked to their godfather's house because, um, they were going to be borrowing money to take a city bus, uh, to school for the rest of the week. Um, so after, you know, they, they got to their uh, godfather's house, got the 20 bucks for the bus fare and a little extra for uh, snacks. Uh, the girls had went to their cousin's house and asked her to walk home with them. Uh, the cousin's mom wouldn't allow her to accompany the twins because it was going to be dark soon. Reasonable. Um, so after visiting with their cousins, they made a stop at their older sister's house that uh, was approximately about 15 minutes away. Um, they had also requested that their sister walk with them, but she declined Due to she had recently given birth and she just wasn't up for for the walk, which is understandable. Um, so after the disappearance, though, the family members uh, considered it was unusual that the twins had made requests for company on their walk home all day. Now, they were not known to do that. They always felt comfortable walking by themselves. So maybe was there something about this man that they said that was following them in a van that made them, you know, want someone to accompany them home you know was there some sort of red flag that maybe um had gone off so next they continued on to a local gas station where they had bought chips and soda and candy you know stuff like that um the clerk uh her name was gloria she was familiar with with the girls um but she didn't recall anything out of the ordinary um or you know she didn't notice anyone following them or anything strange like that um but she was apparently the last person to see Danette and Jeanette um, alive. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. The it, It's kind of odd, but um, I'm just going to go into what they were kind of wearing. So Jeanette was last seen wearing, you know, a blue pullover shirt over a white turtleneck with a beige skirt, white stockings, and white sneakers. Now, at the time of her disappearance, she was 5'4", about 125 pounds. Now, Danette was last seen wearing a white shirt with an image of Mickey Mouse, white jeans, and black shoes. She was 5'6", and 130 pounds. And she had a very um, uh, unique, I guess, way of walking. Uh, she was bow-legged. So, uh, sorry, my cats are being crazy. Um, so, with the investigation... Um, Basically, the twins just 
had disappeared. They were not known as troublemakers. They were not, uh, didn't have a history of running away. So what could have possibly happened? Was the, the man that was following him in the van, um, take them or do something? Did they run into somebody on their walk? You know, there's just all sorts of stuff, possibilities and scenarios. Um, so after the girls were discovered missing, the family was actually told to wait 24 hours before making a report. Now, little is known about the initial investigation as the original police file is now reportedly lost. So there's kind of a debate as to why the case was initially closed because it was closed and then reopened in 2013. Um, the family reports, though, that they were told that the case was closed when the girls turned 17 because they had reached an age at which they could no longer be legally forced to come home if found. Now, that's kind of weird. Like, you don't just stop looking for for anyone, uh, when they, you know, turn 18 or, or turn 17 or whatever the legal in whatever state, you know, you're in, it's like, why, why, why stop looking? Why close the case? That's, that's always kind of bugged me and always was kind of just weird that, that that was the reason why. And that was what the, the, you know, the, the family reports that the police had told them. Um, so the original investigator claims that he was told by a juvenile case officer that the girls had been found, which had led both the case being closed and the girls' removal from the National Registry of Missing Children. Mistakes in the report from the original uh, investigation, investigation, such as the misspelling of the girls' last name, they had reported them as Mill Brooks, not Mill Brook, enlisting Jeanette's middle name as Latressa and had remained unchanged in the case files um, so and can still be found on associated websites. Um, so despite the, the, the fact that the case had been closed in 1991, family members continued to persistently contact the sheriff's office. Um, the family was given several explanations for the closure of the case, um, including the explanations that the girls had been removed from the home and placed into foster care where they eventually were adopted. Now, what the hell is that one about? Like there was, uh, they were never removed from their home. Um, a close relative did have children in the foster care system, leading the family to believe that this was the source of the confusion. So that kind of makes sense. But this is shoddy police work, y'all. Like, investigations? Come on now. Um, I just, I don't know why there was just so many, just basically, like, I don't know. Just, I mean, it's just weird. Just, like, why, why would they close this case? Why was there so many just weird misleadings and weird, um, you know, just, just weird stuff going on. So there was a connection, um, to someone at one point, uh, Joseph Patrick Washington was active in the girl's neighborhood and some believe he may have been involved with the girl's disappearance. Now, Washington was sentenced to 17 years, uh, 17 consecutive like sentences in 1995 for numerous criminal activities that was associated with abductions and sexual assaults of five women. Three, three of them, um, survived. Now he did live in the neighborhood and he was familiar with the girls. So there, that is a possibility that maybe he was involved. Uh, maybe, you know, he's just cruising around, sees them and 
and just is like, hey, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. That, I mean, that was always a possibility. And I still kind of wonder um, why he was never really investigated because he was a known uh, drug dealer at the time. Um, I don't know. There's just so many mistakes made in this thing. It's like, really? Um, so the twins' mother, Mary Louise, um, she had she's still very involved in trying to find her daughters. Now, the sister to the twins, uh, Shanta Sturgis, has also become a very vocal advocate in the search for her sister. Um, she is making persistent calls to the sheriff's department, and that is kind of what prompted them to reopen the case in 2013. Now, um, I just, I don't know. Danette and Jeanette have eight siblings, and this caused some confusion after their disappearance because one of their sisters... Uh, one of the sisters was often mistaken as one of the twins. So that was a possibility in the police's mind, I think, that um, because their sister looked, they, they looked, you know, they all look very alike, um, that people may have mistaken seeing the girls or, you know, that, I don't know. It just seems like because there was so much confusion involving this case and so much just neglect and stupidity and just things that just fell through the cracks that shouldn't happen because like, let's face it, like they were young African-American females and this was in 1990. So of course the police, especially in Georgia, they're not going to take it that seriously. And I think that's maybe why I'm not trying to say that they are directly you know, the sheriff's department is racist and they, they intentionally did this. But when you grow up in that atmosphere, sorry, my cats are going crazy. Um, when, you know, you grow up in that atmosphere, it's kind of like, they just don't take it seriously. They don't want to, they just basically think they're runaways and, you know, they were involved in drugs or, or, you know, something like that. Um, there were, you know, so many rumors going around, um, about what happened to the girls. There was one rumor that the girls were at a party and one of them had overdosed and hit her head. Um, one, one rumor was that they were at, you know, this party, uh, doing drugs and they got in a fight with somebody and that's how they ended up dead. There was also rumors that, you know, a drug dealer was holding them uh, captive in his basement um, and making them, you know, be forced into prostitution and all this. But you can't really go on rumors, especially in a small town like this. Mm. The rumor mill is just going to be rapid. Um, but that one had always bothered me. Um, so there is a documentary about this case. Um, if you want to check it out, um, it was on the Oxygen channel. Um, it's basically, it's just called, you know, if you just look up Danette and Jeanette Millbrook, um, uh, that's, you'll find it fairly quickly. Um, it kind of goes uh, further into depth of some of the rumors and the mistakes that the police had made. But I just wanted to get that out there because... I mean, let's face it, nobody is still looking for these girls besides their family. And that's just, that's super sad. Like, no child should be forgotten like this. Um, and, you know, we should get their their story and their names out there. So I uh, hope everybody has a great week. And uh, until next time, everybody have a great day.